Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Insights, everyone. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us for our Course in Miracles virtual class with Robert Rosenthal, MD. In these segments, Dr. Bob and I break down specific sections to help you gain a deeper understanding of the concepts of the course. Last year, we did an entire series on Chapter 16 having to do with special relationships. This year, we are exploring the next chapter. We'll continue to explore Chapter 17, which focuses on forgiveness and the holy relationship. In our last segment, we offered our interpretations of Section 1, Bringing Fantasy to Truth, and today we'll break down Section 2, The Forgiven World. If you're new to the show, Dr. Bob is the co-president of the Foundation for Inner Peace, publisher of A Course in Miracles, having served on the Foundation's board of directors since 1992. He was a practicing psychiatrist and psychotherapist for 32 years before retiring to take on this position. He was introduced to the course in 1975 at the age of 20, by Judy Scutch and became a close friend and protege of Dr. Bill Thetford, co-scribe of the course. Dr. Bob is the author of From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit, published by Hay House, which reinterprets the biblical story of Moses and Pharaoh as a parable of the mind's struggle to escape ego and identify once again with spirit. It is recommended you read this book prior to studying The Course in Miracles or to effortlessly deepen your understanding of the abstract concepts presented in A Course in Miracles. If you would like to connect and learn more, visit FromPlaguesToMiracles.com, where you can read excerpts and purchase From Plagues to Miracles, A-C-I-M, as in Miracle.org, learn more about and purchase your copy of A Course in Miracles, and of course, SpiritualInsightsRadio.com, my website, to review the archives of our large body of work, which we have been... Um, working on since 2013. And finally, social media users can connect with us on our Facebook pages, From Plagues to Miracles and Spiritual Insights Radio. Well, join me in welcoming Dr. Bob back to the show. I am very excited about this section and this chapter, and I think we're going to have a very enlightening conversation today. Welcome back, Dr. Bob. Thanks, Char. Good to be back. Uh, Yeah, we had a little bit of a break, although if uh, you're listening to this archived, that won't matter. kind of cool you know when you're listening archive there is no past uh it, it, it's all present tense so um i don't know there's there's a good lesson in that mm-hmm. the main the continuity is maintained even if we take breaks or skip a month or postpone doesn't matter so it's, exactly it, it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly how's everything exactly how's everything on your end 
Um, good. As I was listening to you, uh, you know, read my intro, I realized there are a couple of things that um, listeners might want to know. Um, From Plagues to Miracles was out of print for a number of months, but I have now self-published it under my own imprint, Great Rays Books. Uh, I'm very fond of that uh, name. And so it is available um, on Amazon and um, and I don't know. I mean, maybe from other outlets, too. I, 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 I reprinted it through CreateSpace. It, it is almost identical to the Hay House version. Uh, Hay House gave me permission to use the cover art. Um, the interior design, we had to change a little bit, and I up, made a few corrections where there had been errors in the last book. So this is actually a better version, but Ooh. it is available again. Unfortunately, okay. my forthcoming book, uh, From Nevermind to Evermind, Transforming the Self to Embrace Miracles, is stuck in a publisher's limbo because my publisher um, was bought out by an audiobook publisher who wants only their audiobooks, and their print books are kind of caught in this limbo where um, they're trying to decide who gets them and are they even going to publish. So I, it, 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 it's almost comical, except that I put a lot of time and energy into it and really would love to see it released uh, over the summer. So we'll see. Stay tuned about that one. Okay. Maintain your sense of humor on that. Uh, hopefully it'll yeah, smooth out. Yeah, good exercise in patience. <laughs> yes, absolutely. One of my favorite things. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, thanks for bringing that up. I did not know that, so I will work into the introduction that uh, From Plagues to Miracles is now self-published and available on Amazon. We'll await yep. the news of the new book and see how that transpires. I hope it goes smoothly. I want um, to thank you for the information you shared with me. Um, I have done several segments uh, this month with regard to the energy of the past several months. This is the year 2018, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, mostly February, March, and April were the most difficult month where there was a convergence of energy. But as we confirmed, that ended on May 8th. Uh, that was last week. And so now things should smooth out. And anybody who has been having a struggle with faith, patience, uh, forgiveness, uh, mm-hmm. you can probably pick your books back up and dive back in. And we'll try to, you know, get off the ground and soar once again. But I know it's been difficult for a lot of people. So that really Yeah, it's helped. been difficult for a lot. It's true. Although I think we always have to keep in mind that, uh, you know, as uh, I think it's, you know, lesson 30 uh, or 31 says, you know, I'm not the victim of the world I see. Um, Nonetheless, you know, we're affected by gravity. We're affected by hunger. Um, We still think we're bodies and we still think we're here. So all kinds of influences can still, you know, kind of uh, infiltrate and work their way in. And ultimately, the purpose of all of them is to become aware and release them to the Holy Spirit for healing. Yeah, that's what, that's what makes it so com- complicated. And this last um, uh, convergence of energy uh, time period was uh, largely planetary. So what can you do but try to roll with it as best you can, you know? Yeah. Oh, I guess boy. we could try moving to another planet, but that's probably difficult. <laughs> Yeah, kidding, I would kidding. I would I would need a U-Haul spacecraft. We'll have to see about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great image. Okay. <clears throat> well, last segment we uh introduced the um the first section in chapter 17, forgiveness and the holy relationship. We were talking about bringing fantasy to truth. Fantasy to truth. And we ended uh with that last 
uh, paragraph, paragraph six, about uh, being willing to give all you have held outside the truth to him who knows the truth and in whom all is brought to truth. So today we're going to segue right into the forgiven world. Do you have any thoughts about the last section, uh, the last section that you want to touch on? Um, I- just briefly, I, I think that last section, uh, section one of chapter 17, titled Bringing Fantasy to Truth, has sort of in it one of the one of the best litmus tests or purest discriminants um, and the best description of, of it, it that the course offers. And it's this idea that, you know, as egos or as when we identify with ego, we try to bring the truth into illusion. And, and you do see this everywhere. We try to make that which is a dream into something wonderful, powerful, compelling. Um, you know, that's why the section is titled Bringing Fantasy to Truth, because the way out of fantasy, the way out of illusion is to go the opposite direction and realize the truth is true, only truth is true, and therefore our goal is wherever we see something or believe something that we think is more valuable than the truth, it's going to keep us stuck in the dream. And therefore, once we become aware of that, we need to at least be willing to let it go. You know, um, let's face it, there are lots of things in our lives that we're not yet willing to let go, and the ego plays some very crafty games where it'll kind of, you know, get in there and be the tempter and say to you, well, you know, would you be willing to let go of your children? Would you be willing to let go of your house? Um, You know, it always sort of works its way in and interprets freedom and release as sacrifice. So what this section uh, makes very clear is now we, we have to bring, you know, illusion to the truth. The moment we try to bring truth into the illusion, we're just ratifying the illusion and keeping ourselves imprisoned there. And that's why the last section um, referenced the miracle principle one. There's no order of difficulty in miracles and did so, so strongly. There's no order of difficulty in miracles because an illusion is an illusion is an illusion. You know, Um, a bad dream or a great dream, whether you dreamed you got killed or whether you dreamed you won the lottery, they both go poof. When you awaken, they're both dreams. So, you know, the whole idea of any order of difficulty, which also means any order of preference or specialness, will keep mm. truth away. And that's, that's what that last section was, was talking about. So now we get to segue into the forgiven world. And uh, just the last two lines of the last section, as you forgive him, your brother, you restore to truth what was denied by both of you, and you will see forgiveness where you have given it. Um, this is, you know, again, one of the most really common principles in the Course. Um, some people like to call it the mirror principle. What we see, you know, what we believe we see, what we see we'll believe. You know, we get ourselves trapped in this feedback loop. But if we choose peace, love, wholeness, forgiveness, then guess what? That's what we start to see outside of us. That's why A Course in Miracles works in such a powerful way that just completely trashes any ideas we have about how things are supposed to work. I mean, I've seen people in Course in Miracles groups heal relationships just simply by making a decision in their own mind that they are setting an intention to heal it. They don't know how. They're not going home and visualizing love and white light around the person, although maybe they do sometimes. 
but through their intention, all of a sudden the other person shows up in a really different way. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and so, you know, from this, what we take is they're really, minds really are joined. They're joined because there's really only one mind. And when you start making that shift, guess what? Your world shifts and your brothers shift. And so, you know, you will see forgiveness where you have given it. Okay. That was what I Absolutely. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Uh, yes. And it, it, it violates universal law that when your energy changes by law, their energy has to change too. So I just want to um, emphasize what you were saying, that it's important for us to remember that what Dr. Bob said about illusions and truth. If illusions are darkness and truth is light, you can't bring light to darkness. You must bring the darkness to the light in order to dispel it. It doesn't work the other way around. Right. I I think it was the Abraham channel who said there is no darkness switch in a room where you flip it and everything goes dark. Uh, So I I love that metaphor. Thank you, Mm. Char. Sure. So where do we want to begin? Do you want to go first or what do you want to do? It doesn't matter. Um, if you do, you have a preference. Um, yeah, why don't I start? start? Okay. Okay. Chapter seventeen, section two: The Forgiven World. Can you imagine how beautiful those you forgive will look to you? In no fantasy have you ever seen anything so lovely. Nothing you see here, sleeping or waking, comes near to such loveliness, and nothing will you value like unto this, nor hold so dear. Nothing that you remember that made your heart sing with joy has ever brought you even a little part of the happiness this sight will bring you. For you will see the Son of God. You will behold the beauty the Holy Spirit loves to look upon and which he thanks the Father for. He was created to see this for you until you learn to see it for yourself. And all his teaching leads to seeing it and giving thanks with him. So here we launch into um, really just a beautiful uh, section of A Course in Miracles. This would be one of the sections I would point to when I hear people say, oh, A Course in Miracles, it's so intellectual, it's so difficult to read. Well, yeah, true, some of it is, but some of it is breathtakingly gorgeous, um, you know, with with prose that rivals anything written uh, in English or any other language. So here's the intro. Can you imagine how beautiful those you forgive will look to you? And in fact, we can't imagine um, because we don't have that experience. But it goes on to, I mean, again, this is following from the last section. In no fantasy have you ever seen anything so lovely. When it's using the word fantasy, it's not just talking about fantasies as we think of them. Ooh, I'm having a fantasy about romance or about winning the lottery. Um, Fantasy is what we do here. Fantasy is what our minds do. We weave stories, some we like, some based on fear, uh, and then they play out in one form or another, and we try to remedy them or, or sort of antidote them. So what this is saying is you can't spin a fantasy. You can't weave illusion into a form that is ever going to be anywhere close to the loveliness the beauty, the peace that the forgiven world will be. Um, The Course also refers to this, as we'll see in coming paragraphs, as the real world. And and we'll talk more about that when we get to those paragraphs. But 
you know, what this is saying is when you've forgiven, you will see the Son of God. Uh, that's very interesting. I mean, how do we see the Son of God? Well, we look on our brothers, and what we're seeing there is no longer a body or a personality. Yeah, those might register, but, but that's not the reality of it. Um, the metaphor I like to use is imagine that you're sitting in a movie theater, and it's very dark, and the screen is there, and it's incredibly compelling, and you're just sucked into this giant image and the story that it portrays. Now, imagine that, you know, they start turning the lights up in the theater slowly, slowly. And the more light there is, the more that screen starts looking kind of um, pale and transparent. And what if they then start swinging the projector onto, you know, another wall that's, that's not as clear? Reality begins to show through the projections. It's inevitable. When, when the light shines from outside, you know, we, we start to see... Um, we start to see that the projection is unreal. So in that state, which I have experienced, um, although sadly only too briefly and um, only to return to, uh, to, 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 to the body's vision, but in that state as I've experienced it, the body, I mean, it, it is like one of those projections. It might as well be shimmering across a curtain or something, and it's so obviously not the reality of of the love, the light, the oneness that's behind it. Same for the personality that goes with that body. Um, you almost don't even read, no, you don't even register it. What happens is there's a recognition from love to love that just gives a silent blessing of gratitude and thanks in that recognition uh, that, oh, this is, this is who I am. This is who you are. This is who we are. Um, we see the Son of God. And we see the beauty that the Holy Spirit loves to look upon because that's what he was created to look upon. In other words, um, you know, it, the Holy Spirit was created to hold for us the bridge back to reality because we lost it. Without the Holy Spirit, we'd be doomed. We'd be up the proverbial creek without the proverbial paddle. We couldn't get back because our power as as sons and daughters of God, our minds are so powerful that when we tumbled into illusion, when this deep sleep fell on Adam, uh, as the Course and Mary Baker Eddy both said, um, we would be completely lost. But we aren't because the Holy Spirit is there. And the Course says in another part, the Holy Spirit is part of our mind. It's part of the Christ mind. It's part of the oneness uh, that is our original self. So really what this is saying is that we would be lost, except that we can't be lost because you can't change who you really are. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is kind of like this placeholder. You know, it's like um, if when you were, I don't know, five years old, you inherited $100 million from some rich uncle that you didn't know about. You're not in a position to manage that. You don't know anything about it. So it goes into a trust and someone very wise and caring manages it for you until you're ready to take on your inheritance. That's just a bare, you know, it's a poor metaphor, but it's sort of that idea that the Holy Spirit holds reality with a capital R, reality. It holds that vision for us. It holds that knowledge really for us until we're in a position where our willingness has allowed us to embrace forgiveness. And, you know, person by person, 
event by event, circumstance by circumstance, we're able to say to each one, I forgive, um, I choose to see this differently, I choose to see the love here, and we look on the Christ in everyone. So the Holy, you know, that's, that's the Holy Spirit's function, and as the last line of the paragraph says, all his teaching leads to seeing it and giving thanks with him. Once we see it, you know, there really isn't much to say except thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm. Okay. That was paragraph one. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I I just want, I'm going to read what I put together, but I just want to um, underscore what you said about, you know, purpose. We also have to keep in mind that everyone we know serves a purpose. We have to remember that we wrote the script, that we came here to learn, and that some of those lessons might be rather difficult, and we need people to help us do that. But I would point out that there is purpose to every alliance we have, whether we perceive it as negative or positive. And so we can be grateful to that person for the purpose that they served, even if we no longer want to be in relationship with them. And I think that's okay because I, for one, have no room in my life for false friendships. But I can bless that person and I can be grateful for the purpose that they served in helping me expand and grow. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and I think that is how we proceed. Um, But at a certain point, it's almost like the reasons and explanations, you know, like, okay, that person helped me to grow. That even that starts fading out and it's just, okay, you know, there's this, this sweeping dream. But for the vast majority of us, yeah, you know, when you can realize there are no enemies out there, um, or, or if you think there are, they're because you've cast them, cast them in those roles, and that to change that, you change your mind, and then you recognize they played, you know, great part for you. I mean, I think about, uh, I used to do a lot of screenwriting, um, and, you know, I think about some of the producers who I thought were total idiots and jackasses for, for the changes they wanted to make in, in my scripts. And they weren't good changes, but you know what? I wasn't supposed to do that work. Um, I was supposed to be right here, right now, doing this work. And so I thank them for playing their part and uh, making sure that I I never did get any of my screen plays past the option stage. Now, at the time, I didn't realize that. At the time, it was incredibly frustrating. Um, But, hey, from this perspective, you know, they were angels. Uh, you know, there, there was a great line um, from the movie Jacob's Ladder, which is a brilliant movie, although very difficult to watch because it's, you know, it's bloody and it's violent and it's got what, what seemed to be demons in it. But um, there's an angelic chiropractor who works on the main character, Jacob, and he paraphrases the Christian mystic Meister Eckhart. And he says, basically, if you're attached to this world and the things of this world, which the Course would say, if you're attached to your fantasies, then you experience the the forces that want to break that off from you and tear you away from that. They feel like demons, you know, um, tearing you from what you want. But the moment you recognize that it's not what you really want, those demons reveal themselves to be angels guiding you towards what you really do want. Uh, and the film, you know, portrays this beautifully. But like, I mean, like I said, it's hard to watch, but it has one of the most beautiful endings of any film I know. Um, always brings tears to my eyes. So in a sense, 
the people that we've cast as, you know, evil or demonic or getting in our way, and that includes political figures, that includes bosses. Once we realize that each one offers us a lesson in, um, in, in, okay, why did I want that? And why am I reacting so strongly to not being able to get that? Then as we release it, we recognize, you know, that they're really hidden angels. I mean, this is the message in my book from plagues to miracles too. what looked like a plague. Um, in fact, turns out to be a miracle. It's a plague to our ego. Ego hates it. Ego wants us to keep searching and searching and searching forever and never finding, but to spirit, no, nah, it's a miracle. Sorry, Shara, I had to jump in there, but uh, I, I really want to hear what you wrote for uh, paragraph two. So, Yeah, I'll, I'll read that quickly. It's rather brief, but then I want to retouch on what you said because it, it mirrors an experience I had, and I have a, a gift of a quote for you with regard to that that is, um, for me, um, perception shifting. Anyway, so what I put together for paragraph one is this. It's frightening and sometimes unimaginable to think that you can see beyond the physical and see the world and its inhabitants for what they truly are. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. When you recognize others as yourself, as a child of God, you are living in truth and rising above separation. The Holy Spirit sees us as we are, sparks of light created by God. It is our purpose to stretch ourselves to see this as well, and seeing it will lead to peaceful thanks and glory. So that's what I put together for that. But what you said about, you know, wanting Probably. to be a screenwriter and then these people in your life served as um, angelic deterrents to that career yeah. path, right? And so if we look yep. at it that way, they were what you needed to steer you onto the right path, which is this one. Similar to my experience as a professional singer, the people who caused trouble, I didn't, uh, I, I would run into people who, uh, were like sexual predators and things of that nature. And so it got me to the point where, you know what? I said, I'm going to stop pursuing this because it only brings me pain. And I'm just going to go headlong into spirituality and metaphysics. Okay. So Bingo. that's where I really, that's where I really belong. Cause I, I wanted to give this life a shot. I think I was uh, given a, a pretty decent package to work with um, mm. in, 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 you know, in terms of, you know, intelligence or personality or drive to figure it out. I wanted to know how life worked, what makes people tick, the human condition. And, and I, I got to work and I, and I stuck to it. And I'm really proud of myself for that. But I came across a quote and it really helped me to make peace with that. Because there's still that resentment of, but I really thought this is where my life was going. Why did it take such a weird turn, even though every step leads you to where you are and helps you develop? But here's the quote, and it's by Jean de la Fontaine. And it hmm. says, destiny often finds us to avoid it. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah, yeah, that's great. I, because it helped me see, because that's what I was doing in going for... Um, the opportunity to entertain and maybe make gobs of money and get a lot of attention. Um, that was who I thought I was. And so for the last 30 years, I've been doing everything I can to not be in the spotlight. And look at, look now I'm in the spotlight, but comfortably not with the exactly. wrong intention. Yeah. So that I, worked I out I think for that's me. Yeah. That, that's exactly it. Um, yeah. Right. That nails it. 
Um, okay. I don't know if you were aware, Marianne Williamson was an aspiring nightclub singer. I mean, you know, that's where her interest was until A Course in Miracles came into her life. Um, and she realized she wanted to be a teacher of the course, um, hmm. you know, and gee, she might have been a great nightclub singer, but what a loss to the world. <laughs> right. Well, no, I don't know a whole lot about her, but that is very interesting. I didn't know we had that in common, so to speak. Yep, well, you, you do. <laughs> let's try to get a couple more paragraphs in and, yes, and round this going, out. Yes. Okay, so I'll Good. keep going with paragraph two. Here we go. This loveliness is not a fantasy. It is the real world, bright and clean and new, with everything sparkling under the open sun. Nothing is hidden here, for everything has been forgiven, and there are no fantasies to hide the truth. The bridge between that world and this is so little and, and so easy to cross that you could not believe it is the meeting place of worlds so different. Yet this little bridge is the strongest thing that touches on this world at all. This little step, so small it has escaped your notice, is a stride through time into eternity, beyond all ugliness, into beauty that will enchant you and will never cease to cause you wonderment at its perfection. I love that. Okay, so here's my interpretation of that. What this is saying is that in and of itself, the world is beautiful and pure. What we perceive in it is what makes it ours. Truth and love are no longer concealed from our sight. The passage to the perception of spirit is an almost instantaneous transition. The bridge is the most powerful thing to touch this world because we are existing in two worlds at once, but at the mercy of a capricious ego in the lower realm. Crossing over into the perception of spirit brings you to your perfect higher self which lives outside of the constraints of time and feels eternal peace. So the goal is to operate from the higher self and not of the lower self to tell us what truth is. That's where the bridge comes in. It's the bridge to you that. You there for me, Char. Could, could you repeat that Your last line? I, I didn't hear you. Hello? Bob? Hello? Hello? Char? Hello? Um, hang on. I believe. Okay, so I believe my headset caught out on me. Can you hear me okay now? Now I can, yeah, but you okay. faded very quickly and then um, a long period of dead air. Yeah, well, it was a matter of unmuting one phone, muting the headset, putting the earbuds in, all that goofiness. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. Um, uh, I had asked you for your thoughts on what on uh, your interpretation or if you want to add to mine. Um, yeah, I, I think that – I think what I might want to do is read paragraph – Three, um, because I see these two as being very linked and it can be confusing because it's talking about this small step um, and that small step gets explained better in paragraph three. And then I think, you know, I'll loop back and, and try to, you know, talk about both of them. And then, you know, you can come in and talk about paragraph three. But I think from my perspective, that would be um, the, the best way to proceed. So, I agree. Um, okay, mm -hmm. great. So yep. paragraph three, this step, the smallest ever taken, is still the greatest accomplishment of all in God's plan of atonement. 
All else is learned, but this is given, complete and wholly perfect. No one but him who planned salvation could complete it thus. The real world, in its loveliness, you learn to reach. Fantasies are all undone, and no one and nothing remains still bound by them, and by, and by your own forgiveness you are free to see. I'm going to read that again. Fantasies are all undone, and no one and nothing remains still bound by them, and by your own forgiveness you are free to see. Yet what you see is only what you made with the blessing of your forgiveness on it. And with this final blessing of God's Son upon himself, the real perception, born of the new perspective he has learned, has served its purpose. So what this whole thing is saying is that, and, and, and subsequent paragraphs amplify on this even further, is that um, when we get to the forgiven world, also called the real world, it, everything sparkles, everything is beautiful. Um, because we're not overlaying fantasy on it. Nothing is hidden here. I think that's a very key line. Nothing is hidden doesn't mean that the world has hidden stuff. It means that our minds aren't hiding truth from us in the same way. Therefore, what we're perceiving is now just, just you know, light. I mean, in a sense, it would be like, um, back to my movie projector uh, metaphor, now we're not following the story in the projector anymore. All we're seeing is the light from outside and the light of the projector joining as one and everything's bathed in this wonderful light. Um, and it's saying that the bridge from the last paragraph, the bridge between that world and this is so little and easy to cross. You could not believe it's the meeting place of worlds so different. Little tiny step. But what paragraph three makes clear is that to get there, we have to we have to exercise learning, or to be more precise, unlearning. We have to undo the learning that, that the ego's schoolroom taught us. When we unlearn that, when we, you know, lift all of our fantasies and projections and, you know, and, and say to the Holy Spirit, you know, take this from me and look upon it for me, and we're able to see the world forgiven and, you know, clean and new and sparkling, then then we are ready for God to take that final step. So it doesn't, the Course doesn't use the term final step here the way it does in other um, sections of the text, but it's basically alluding to that because it's making the case that the real world, in all its loveliness, you learn to reach. Fantasies are undone. Um, you know, uh, but with this final blessing of God's Son upon himself, and as we've given our own blessing through forgiveness, then perception itself poof gone don't need it served its purpose and the next paragraph which which um after Shar um gives her um thoughts about this the next paragraph describes what that's like some people find that scary but it's it it's just phenomenally gorgeous so this is so these two paragraphs and and and, and the the one that follows really are about kind of the end game um when you've forgiven everyone here's the real world and the real world could last in the in in the world's terms it could last decades it could last um a couple of seconds uh before god takes that step closes the gap 
you walk across the bridge that now you don't even need to have as a bridge anymore and and your identity has returned to the oneness of spirit which really it never lost and never left so that's how i understand these uh these two paragraphs what i want to add to that is for me sometimes the word salvation evokes different feelings and i wonder if it's true uh, for the listeners as well, or for you, Dr. Bob. The word salvation, it, it, it seems to have the word save in it. We want to be saved from our pain, from our circumstances, um, from our uh, problematic relationships that we wish could continue, but differently, whatever, whatever you apply that to. But with the Course and all of its talk about sal- salvation, it's really about enlightenment. And so correcting your perception isn't so much about salvation, and I'm, I'm going from sentence three in paragraph three, no one but him who planned salvation could complete it thus. Mm-hmm. Transpose that with enlightenment. If he planned for our enlightenment, when we accept that enlightenment, it's already completed because he planned for it. And so we have that enlightenment, which is the true uh, source of our perception once, that's, once we cross that bridge. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I'm really glad you keyed on that line three <clears throat> because – only he who planned it could complete it. And and in fact, as you just said, the planning and the completion are one and the same in God's mind. Thank you. Yes, mm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I will uh, offer my interpretation for uh, just paragraph three. And that is, while this step may seem arduous and like it demands effort, the transition in perception is so powerful because it transcends the illusion and impacts the collective. That's us. We are all of one mind. We are the collective. You learn to utilize spiritual vision in your perception. You have total freedom from the limitations in seeing because you forgave. And so you see the truth of it without it having the power to harm you. This is already given you and is within you. Merely accept it for yourself and real perception serves its purpose. That's it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. You want to go right to paragraph four? Yeah, because I, you know, in retrospect, paragraphs two, three, and four just all sort of, you know, flow together. Um, and, and so just, you know, to remember, with this final blessing of God's Son upon himself, the real perception, that is the real world, born of the new perspective he has learned, has served its purpose. Once we're there, we don't need it. We've unwound illusion. We're, we're, we're ready. You know, there, there's no more barrier keeping you from the oneness that is your true self. So that said, yeah, let's move to paragraph four. Okay. And we get into some specifics here. Okay. Hmm. The stars will disappear in light and the sun that opened up the world to beauty will vanish. Perception will be meaningless when it has been perfected for everything that has been used for learning will have no function. Nothing will ever change. No shifts, nor shadings, no differences, no variations, that made perception possible will still occur. The perception of the real world will be so short that you will barely have time to thank God for it. For God will take the last step swiftly when you have reached the real world and have been made ready for him. And what I get out of this is that this brings me to the ego's use of comparison once again as a tool for learning. We see the stars as one thing and the sun as another with a wholly different purpose. However, perfect perception sees, let me Put put it this way. It's like a symphony. The world is like a symphony. Everything moving seemingly randomly, but it all flows together. Um, Perfect perception sees beyond the function of bodies, events, and circumstances. 
perfect perception eliminates the need for change and variations as learning tools because they are meaningless except to the ego's personal and imperfect perception. The last two sentences tell me that once again, the decision, no, the last two sentences tell me that once the decision to shift your perception has been clearly made, God's completion of the process is immediate because we have answered his call. And so it's all that divine flow of energy that is coursing through everything. And all we have to do is just shift the way we think and believe about the world we live in and imagine the beauty that we'll see. That's what I get out of this. That's great. No, that's lovely. Um, yeah, so this paragraph I, I think is one of tremendous beauty, but it's one that can also meet with some resistance. You know, the stars will disappear in light, the sun will vanish. Oh, my God, you know, the ego looks at that and trembles. You know, it sounds like Armageddon, like death, like the end of everything. Mm. But what the, this section is telling us, as Shar was saying, is that perception relies on contrast, on differences. I mean, this is true at the most basic level. I mean, when you get down to the um, neurobiology of it, you know, if you are seeing, you are seeing you're, the, the, there are certain cells in your retina that register movement by looking at, um, you know, edges and shadings. Um, in fact, if your eyes are holding perfectly still, you really don't see. Everything starts to go blurry. We're constantly moving. We're constantly looking at what's different. Um, I have a whole chapter on perception in my upcoming book, which goes into this in a lot more detail. But the whole world of perception is based on differences, contrasts, and illusion. Therefore, and, 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 and this is not always an easy concept to grasp, we think of forgiveness in the traditional meaning of the word as, you know, forgiving those people who hurt us and pissed us off. That's kind of the, let's think of it as the lowest rung on the ladder of forgiveness. Uh, the Course helps us see that, oh, no, as we were just talking about, those people actually, when we view them properly, are angels helping us to, to learn and to recognize who we are and who they are. Um, and, and, you know, as we like to joke in the Course community, it's an AFO, another forgiveness opportunity. Um, mm. But it really goes beyond that, too. And the last stage of forgiveness it's not even really about particular people or what they did. It's not about life stories. Um, you know, it, it's not about who you thought you were or what you thought you could be. I could have been a contender, Charlie, uh, you know. Um, it's about perception itself. Perception is kind of the ego's last stand that keeps us separate from God in a world of bodies and um, and a world where our true oneness in love is, is kept from us and seen at best, you know, dimly in certain moments. So the final stage before we're ready for God is the real world where we have freed it through forgiveness. Uh, for, you know, nothing is hidden, as it said in paragraph two. We've let go all of this, and now we enter, once God takes that final step, we enter the oneness where Nothing will ever change. No shifts or shadings, no differences, no variations that made perception possible will still occur. As egos, this does not always sound appealing. Um, the English poet John Milton, who wrote the famous Paradise Lost, 
was actually very keyed into this because his description of heaven, which was just sort of this perpetual song sung by, you know, angels to God and God to the angels, it sounded really boring in contrast to Satan's hell. But in fact, he wrote it that way intentionally because at some level, this guy recognized that from an ego perspective, oh, yeah, heaven is boring. There's no drama. There's no conflict. We're not killing each other and lusting after each other. And no, that's right. We're not because there isn't another to, to, to project that on. It's all oneness. So what to the ego looks boring or sacrificial or fearful actually, you know, is a state that is so perfect, so blissful um, I think of the uh, Hindu, the Sanskrit words, um, Satchitananda, which loosely translated is being, awareness, bliss. It's just a mm. state of pure being. In that state of pure being, there is awareness, but not awareness as a subject for an object, which we get in the world of perception, just awareness. It's not consciousness as we know it in the world of perception. There's being, there's awareness, they're simultaneous, they, they're they're, they're there are two different descriptions for the same state. And then the third gets translated as bliss. I think the course would call it joy. Um, it's, I mean, it's indescribable. And again, it's just another descriptor, another facet from our limited ego perspective of what that oneness is, is like, of what God is like. Um, we can't grasp it here. If we entered into it and tried to stay there, um, the manual for teachers in the section, Can God Be Reached Directly, makes pretty clear the body wouldn't last long. Um, and we need our bodies because we have a teaching function here. You know, the Course is very clear that our brothers need us to show up in the form of bodies, speaking, um, you know, in our various languages, in order to help all of these other disconnected parts of spirit to wake up with us. And they do that because minds are joined and the process by which we get there is forgiveness. But at some point, um, and again, this is from the teacher's manual, at some point you've done your job. You've completed the unique um, special function that the Holy Spirit assigned to you and and you're done. And then the Course says you don't die, not in the sense that, that we understand death. You lay the body by, and God takes that final step. And, you know, and, and the true self, which has already been experienced somewhat as the real world, that just becomes all there is. And this paragraph four is one of the few places in the Course that attempts to give us a description of that. Hmm. So it's it's pretty powerful, you know, but but again, that, you know, the last line of the paragraph for God will take the last step swiftly when you have reached the real world and have been made ready for him. I remember reading that, you know, in my early days of, of, of working A Course in Miracles, and it sounded like, wow, God's going to come in and strike me dead. You know, I've been made ready. Yeah. Here comes the sacrifice. You know, mm -hmm. the, the sword is going to fall and boom. No, it's not that at all. Um you know, there there really isn't much of a metaphor for it, except maybe think about that caterpillar and its chrysalis and it's just stuck there and it's stuck there and it doesn't know, you know, maybe it has some sense that there's an unfolding and all of a sudden the cocoon just starts falling away. You know, the last step is there and once that cocoon falls away, the wings spread and wow, it's a completely different being. I mean, granted, it's a, an 
overused metaphor and it's still in the world of form, but in terms of a transformation and, and, and kind of the stuff of one self-image falling away to allow us to um, rise into a different one, it's a pretty darn good metaphor. It's perfect. Our, yeah, thanks. It's perfect. My goodness, that was delicious. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. All right, so I'm going to read paragraph five. Okay. So, the real world is attained simply by the complete forgiveness of the old, the world you see without forgiveness. The great transformer of perception will undertake with you the careful searching of the mind that made this world and uncover to you the seeming reasons for your making it. In the light of the real reason that he brings, as you follow him, he will show you that there is no reason here at all. Each spot his reason touches grows alive with beauty, and what seemed ugly in the darkness of your lack of reason is suddenly released to loveliness. Not even what the Son of God made in insanity could be without a hidden spark of beauty that gentleness could release. So um, the course here is engaging in some wordplay, um, which it does fairly often. Um, at some point, I'm going to write something about it because there are a lot of puns and double entendres, and I think there's a very good reason for that. Um, so speaking of reason, um, it says that the Holy Spirit, the great transformer of perception, is going to help us search out our minds to find the seeming reasons. Notice it says seemings. You know, the, the, our justifications for having made this world and perpetuating it. But then it plays on this. You know, the seeming reasons disappear in the light of real reason. Now, real reason isn't a reason. Real reason is sort of the application of the logic of spirit that dissolves everything else. Um, I think it's chapter 25 of the text that, that talks about this. Or, or no, it's actually a little earlier um, that, that goes into this in great detail. So we look at the seeming reasons for making the world, and in the light of real reason that the Holy Spirit brings as we follow him, he shows us that there is no reason here at all. And there's the pun right there. There's no reason for the world, and there's no reason as in rationality or reality for the world here either. It's an irrational world. It's an insane world. Um, it's a fever dream that we need to awaken from. Uh, so some fun word play there uh, if you want to get out your books and reread that a couple of times. Um, I, I think part of the reason for the word play, back to reason, um, is that when we see it, um, we are making a shift in perception. The words themselves start shifting and opening from one meaning to another meaning, and that is a parallel to the process of what A Course in Miracles itself does. Um, so continuing each spot, his reason, the Holy Spirit's reason touches grows alive with beauty. Um, and you know, uh, what seemed ugly in the darkness of your lack of reason, that is your lack of truth, your lack of reality is suddenly released to loveliness. And then this lovely last line, not even what we, the son of God made in insanity could be without a hidden spark of beauty that gentleness could release. In other words, we can't hide our light here, even if we try. Um, 
you were talking earlier, Shar, about salvation and how different people understand it. And I flipped to um, the second part of the workbook where there's a section, section two, that comes right after lesson 230 that says, what is salvation? And it says, salvation is a promise made by God that you would find your way to him at last. It cannot but be kept. It guarantees that time will have an end and all the thoughts that have been born in time will end as well. So um, back to that idea that he who planned it completes it. Salvation is a promise that you'll find your way to him at last, and it cannot, kept, it cannot but be kept. We can't hide our light. You know, not even what we made in insanity could be without a hidden spark of beauty and, and, and loveliness that once we forgive gets released. Okay. Mm. Um, over to you. <laughs> okay. Well, you nailed, you know, you nailed it with your um, mention of the wordplay that the Chorus often does. And so I caught that too. And so I want to um, introduce a couple other words so that the listeners can substitute a couple of words and, and kind of wrap our minds around a little, a little more uh, confidently, I'll say. So what I have is, how do you reach the real world? Forgive the one you see now. The great transformer perception will help you determine the reasons, quote unquote, for hating it and justifying that hatred. And what I mean by that is, like you said, the justification. Well, I'm a victim. And so not only do I deserve an explanation, but also revenge. And the revenge is that hatred. Um, so, so let's look at the word reason in the way it's used in different contexts for different sentences. In sentence three in this paragraph, um, perhaps substitute the word reason with, word, with the word purpose or meaning. So sentence three is, in the light of the real reason that he brings, as you follow him, he will show you that there's no reason here at all. Okay, so there's, it's mentioned several times. So in the first instance, in the light of the real reason that he brings, that, if we use that, that first word, reason, and, and uh, superimpose explanation or truth to it, so in the light of the real truth that he brings, as you follow him, he will show you that there is no reason. Now, there's another use of the word reason. There's no reason here at all, meaning like a purpose, although there is a purpose, but, but you can't find meaning in perception. And so you have to identify that purpose. And then again, each spot his reason touches. Let me see if I got ahead of myself. doesn't matter. Each spot... Um, each spot his reason, quote-unquote, touches, grows alive with beauty. So each spot his truth or his enlightening, enlightening um, explanation touches, so it, it starts to grow alive with beauty because you understand and it pulls you out of the confusion of trying to figure out an illusion, right? Um, and it suddenly yep. released the loveliness. Not even what the Son of God made in insanity. In the ego, the ego is, is the insanity aspect. And so we're creating perceptions based on the insanity of the ego. That's insanity itself. So even that, um, not even what we've made with the ego could be without a hidden spark of, of truth and beauty that gentleness could release. And so we have understanding, explanation, purpose, meaning, all that can uh, substitute for the word reason depending on the context that you want to read that sentence in. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting that we both keyed on the same thing too. <laughs> well, it gives me that moment of er, you know, like what, you know, and and you pull back and you're like, okay, so 
I I tend to go in and interpret the energy, but it. I know he wrote it that way for a reason, but I like yeah. to I like I like puzzles. I like to break it down. You know what I mean? And put it Me back too. together. Me too. In certain in and certain And I love way. wordplay. And uh, Bill mm-hmm. Thetford was a master of wordplay, and a lot of times um, in the. Uh, early sections of the Urtext, for example, which are not A Course in Miracles. They, were, they came for Bill and Helen, uh, although I think some people want to make them part of the course. But in the early part, there's lots of wordplay. I think it was a way uh, that, you know, that Jesus could engage Bill and keep him uh, you know, involved in the process, too. Yeah, sometimes right. you need a little encouragement in that respect. You know? And humor, too. You know? It's like if, if we can't laugh at what we did... I mean, you know, uh, in, into eternity, you know, there intruded a, a tiny mad instant at which the Son of God remembered not to laugh. Well, now we mm-hmm. can laugh. Right. Well, we're running out of time, and we both have we to go in, in a few minutes. Three... What's that? Why don't, I was thinking, why don't we just read the last three paragraphs, um, you know, back and forth, all as, you know, um, you, me, you, and then do a quick wrap-up of all of them um, rather than, you know, sort of saving that for the next segment. Are you sure? I can do that. I have. Yeah. I, I, can, I can do Okay, let's do let's it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's okay. do that. Great. And we'll just be a little, little quicker on, on our thing. Yeah. And then I have a short prayer. I, mean, I think we've I hit, we've sh- hit the important prayer. stuff, but, um, but, yeah, I'd like to get through this section. Okay, let's do it. So, I guess it's my turn. Right, so you'll do six, I'll do seven, you'll do eight. (laughs) Okay. All right, okay, paragraph six. All this beauty will rise to bless your sight as you look upon the world with forgiving eyes. For forgiveness literally transforms vision and lets you see the real world reaching quietly and gently across chaos, removing all illusions that had twisted your perception and fixed it on the past. The smallest leaf becomes a thing of wonder, and a blade of grass, a sign of God's perfection. Mm. I love that paragraph. So From my the forgiven world. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, there's, I want to go through all three just in the interest of time, and then, uh, or you know, I guess you know, you. I forgot no, that idea. you've written these out. Um, That's okay. I are, I just are you sure? have it. Okay. Yeah, go right ahead. Okay. I think it's a great idea. From the forgiven world, the Son of God is lifted easily into his home, and there he knows that he has always rested there in peace. Even salvation will become a dream and vanish from his mind, for salvation is the end of dreams, and with the closing of the dream will have no meaning. Who, awake in heaven, could dream that there could ever be need of salvation? Mm. Paragraph 8. How much do you want salvation? It will give you the real world, trembling with readiness to be given you. The eagerness of the Holy Spirit to give you this is so intense, he would not wait, although he waits in patience. Meet his patience with your impatience at delay in meeting him. Go out in gladness to meet with your Redeemer and walk with him in trust out of this world and into the real world of beauty and forgiveness. So so it's like pulling your head out of the sand. Yeah, yeah. Look at the world you're looking in. It's all dark. You can't see anything. There's grains of sand in your eyes. Take your head out and look at the beauty that is around you with forgiveness in your heart and mind. 
for forgiveness literally transforms vision, literally. Course chooses its words very carefully. Um, you know, and again, this is one of those things um, many people, uh, including some you know, prominent course teachers, focus very heavily on forgiveness, as well they should. But there is this other current throughout the course on vision that I'm very big on. Um, in fact, I once counted up all of the workbook lessons that um, that use the, that use the word and concept forgiveness, and all of those that use or refer to vision or sight. And there are actually more that that refer to vision and sight than forgiveness. And what this, you know, what what paragraph six, line two tells us, forgiveness literally transforms vision. In other words, they're working hand in hand. You know, when you're practicing forgiveness, you can't see the world or your brothers and sisters the same way. You can't um, because forgiveness transforms them. And when you see them differently, guess what? You can't hold grievances. You can't um, get stuck in contrast. You can't, um, you know, um, indulge in specialness. You just can't because you're seeing it completely differently. They work hand in hand. Um, and and I love the line that again goes back to sort of you know the real world um the smallest leaf becomes a thing of wonder and a blade of grass a sign of god's perfection i had a mystical experience um on uh the new haven green that i actually talk a little about in my upcoming book where i'm sitting on the grass on this absolutely gorgeous day and i'm running my hands through the grass and it just it feels like eden um and so this this line, um, and this was before A Course in Miracles even came into the world, um, the smallest leaf becomes a thing of wonder and a blade of grass, a sign of God's perfection. I can attest to that. I had an experience where a blade of grass was absolutely a sign of God's perfection. Did it talk to you? Um, did, um, no, didn't talk. Just Just suffused with light and love and wonder. And it was kind of like, oh, my God, how could anything be so remarkably beautiful? I've had uh, a number of moments like that, um, and, and some having to do with the blade of grass. I love, I love the way it feels, but every now and then I'll look at it, and I look at the way it's shaped and the color and the vibrancy of it, and I realize God's in there. God's energy is part of that, and it makes me smile. So, yep, but God's only cool. in there because we see it there. You know, again, mm. illusion doesn't have any real status or, you know, of its own. But when we see it with forgiven eyes, you bet God's in there. Um, you know, back That's to that perfect. line, not even what the Son of God made in insanity could be without a hidden spark of beauty. You know, well, there's that hidden spark of beauty, and, and it can be seen. It can be apprehended. It can be beheld. Mm. Mm. Should I read my interpretation for paragraph six? Please go, yes, go right ahead. I'll push through. Okay, so here's for paragraph six. Through forgiveness for its perceived injustices, the world now appears as it really is. The world hasn't changed. Your vision has been corrected, and you are no longer obsessed with the past. Being in the truth of the moment, yes, even the smallest and most significant things of this world are a source of miraculous amazement. That's for six. For number seven, you cannot rise to your home or rightful recognition of yourself while carrying the burden of the world you perceive as horrifying. Once there, we recognize, it, we recognize it as our true home. There will no longer be a need for salvation now that perfect perception has been achieved. When your mind is wholly unified with spirit, there is no need for rescue. And finally, eight. 
Really think about how you want peace, no matter what that looks like. Put aside your preferences, your fears, your attachments, and your wants. How much do you want peace? When your desire for peace exceeds your desire for, for revenge on this world, you will find it. The Holy Spirit wants it. The second sentence states, it will give you the real world. I interpret that to mean that your entire existence will shift to, a, to living in a state of heaven on earth. You have a human body, but embody the Holy Spirit's vision. We need, to, we need to let go of all of the excuses we make to keep ourselves in prison in the ego's vain illusions and step into the light, leaving behind all of our illusions of injustice, attack, and revenge. And that is your new world because those things don't exist in it, and so therefore it will be completely different. Yeah, exactly. They can't exist in it because you're not seeing, i.e. you're not projecting out onto the world the revenge, the guilt, um, the fear that came into your own mind, our collective mind, at the moment of separation. I mean, mm. it, it's hard to imagine how, you know, how, how disruptive and terrifying the separation from God is, but imagine if you're, you know, a two-year-old child and you're, I don't know, in the middle of, you know, New York City or London or Paris, and suddenly you look around and you don't see your parents. All you see is these these legs walking by and, you know, furious uh, pacing and, and you know, where, where am I? Who Where's the person who takes care of me? Where's the one who loves me? I mean, terrifying moment. And yet that's nothing compared to what we felt when, you know, when we woke up as seemingly separate beings because it really wasn't waking up. It was, you know, um, going to sleep and waking up in a dream. But but yeah. that was, you know, purely terrifying. Therefore, um, you know, here here's the reversal. Um here's the reversal. Uh mm. yeah. Mm. You know, e- and even salvation will become a dream because as you said, what do you when you're already there, what do you need to be rescued from? If you're looking on all your brothers and there isn't a sense of separation, you're not in fear, you're not projecting guilt. Um, all you see is another aspect of self, capital S, that's shining radiant with light, then, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard to get real angry. Um, this is why um, the mystics, uh, you know, report what they do. That's why the blade of grass shines, or, or Julian of Norwich, who said, you know, all things shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. How could anyone possibly say that about this world? You know, it's terrible. It's in terrible shape. I've been known to say it myself as recently as yesterday. But from the perspective of the real world, it's all perfect. Not because mm-hmm. of what's happening in it, but because because the real world is the real world, and the world of illusion is not the real world. Okay. Um, yes. That's all I and think if I anybody, have to say. Okay, and I just want to add that if anybody is given to praying for salvation, be careful what you're praying for. Are you asking to be saved or rescued from something you perceive as negative or painful? Pray for enlightenment to help you understand what the purpose of your experience is so that you can grow from it. That's the Amen. best. I can I can nail it. Well, I have picked out the perfect prayer, uh, mm. but uh, why don't we wrap it up by telling everybody from PlaguesToMiracles.com is where you want to go to purchase your copy of From Plagues to Miracles, SpiritualInsightsRadio.com. Yep. Or, or actually, um, Amazon is the best place to go now. Um, yes. And you can get Amazon. to Amazon from, from Plagues to Miracles, the website. Um, but, yeah, you want to go to Amazon. Uh, that's That's really... 
my website and Amazon have uh, the most, you know, the, the blurbs, the reviews, some excerpts, um, but that's where it lives now. Okay. Yeah, check out the excerpts. They're, they're really excellent. I love that mm. book. Um, Thank you. com. if you want to check out our archives and, and our series last year about special relationships. I myself feel um, we did a, a tremendous job with it, and I'm looking forward to our next segment where we'll be discussing Section 3 in Chapter 17, Shadows of the Past, which has got a lot of meat to it. So I think we'll have fun with that. You know, I think you and I actually did this section once before as its own standalone. I'm not positive, but we should go back and look, uh, which doesn't mean we won't do it again. But I think we may have actually done it because we both were very fond of it. <laughs> I believe that's uh, accurate, but it might have been four or five years ago. And yeah, we could probably agree we're, we're different now. And so going through it with all that we've uh, learned and experienced in the past four or five years. Um, it doesn't bother me to do it again. That's all I'm saying. Nor and we me. did it a little differently. You know what I mean? Um, the, the method we used was a little different back then. Now we're yeah. doing specific paragraphs. So they, the new That's approach correct. might uh, help us with that, you know? Yeah, this is closer reading what we're doing now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I can reference all that right. other well, one if, if anybody you, would like to listen. What's that? Thank you. <laughs> Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Dr. Rob. Okay, so here's our prayer for today. It is from Choose Once Again, Selections from A Course of Miracles, published by the Foundation for Inner Peace. This is on page 111. We ready, Bob? Yes. Okay, and I will talk to you next time. All right, here we go. Father, there is a vision which beholds all things as sinless so that fear has gone and and where it was is love invited in. And love will come wherever it is asked. This vision is your gift. The eyes of Christ look on a world forgiven. In his sight are all its sins forgiven, for he sees no sin in anything he looks upon. Now let his true perception come to me, that I may waken from the dream of sin and look within upon my sinlessness, which you have kept completely undefiled upon the altar to your Holy Son, the self with which I would identify. Let us today behold each other in the sight of Christ. How beautiful we are, how holy and how loving. Brother, come and join with me today. We save the world when we have joined. For in our vision, it becomes as holy as the light in us. Amen. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.